Hello and welcome everyone to episode number 8 of the Completed Podcast, where we talk everything that Magic the Gathering related with a focus on competitive magic with some friendly banter along the way. Today I have fellow co-hosts Brandon Smith and Brandon Tanner. How are you guys doing today? Alright, hanging in there. Living. You know, chilling. kicking out. Nice. Uh, as you guys may know, we're back from uh, DreamHack San Diego. It was a no. it was a pretty good experience. Uh, what what do you guys think overall experience thoughts? I think it was great. I think that the uh, TO one hundred percent listened to the criticisms about Atlanta, and um, from what I understand, and from what the other players that I talked to were saying, it seems like almost everything that they could have fixed, they completely turned around and made it way better. Like uh, I, I I didn't hear really any complaints like events were firing basically on time um i mean the rounds at the main event went over like 30 minutes but that's just big events um that's always going to happen i th- i think it was uh i think it was great yeah i think the venue separation was dope i think the yeah. fact that the was, uh... the magic portion was completely separate from actual DreamHack was the right play. I think yeah. it was perfect because you didn't have all the noise of DreamHack being a distraction while you're trying to like focus and play magic. Um, and then also you just have everybody that is like-minded in the same room. So it's like... Yeah, it was pretty great um, not being shoved into a little corner like we were last time. Yeah, I mean, in Atlanta last year, they just kind of put us in a separate room, basically, in, like, a separate area. And I don't know if there's a big – like, I don't don't know if they're going to do the same thing for Dallas. I think they should, like, put Magic completely separate. But, like, in Dallas, it's going to be way bigger of an event because uh, IEM Masters is going to be playing there. Like, the whole weekend is IEM Masters for Counter-Strike, and that's, like, a huge event for Counter-Strike. It's Mm -hmm. like a – it's like borderline a major. So it's like, it's going to be a very, very large event uh, with a lot of people going. I think that this will also be the highest attendance percentage out of the two regionals because Dallas is like kind of in the middle of Atlanta and San Diego. Like the players that qualified on that side of the world didn't come to Atlanta because it was so far away. And the same thing for California. They didn't, nobody wanted to fly across the country. Um. So I think that Dallas being where it is, like basically in the middle of the U.S., makes it a little more likely that people show up. Do you guys I, think, I think it was? was... A, do you guys think it was a venue-specific thing, just with how big that convention center was? Do you think they're going to go back to like the way they did it in Atlanta and Dallas? I no, hope they have they a bigger. Don't. They they rented they rented the bigger convention center in Dallas for DreamHack. Normally, whenever we would go to magic events in Dallas, it'd be in Fort Worth, actually. And it'd yeah. be at the Fort Worth Convention Correct. Center. And yeah. they actually have the big convention center downtown Dallas, like which that convention center is significantly larger than the other uh, the other convention center we used to go to, like, opens and, like, GPs for. So, Yeah, I've been there once. It's pretty huge. Um, I've been to one magic tournament, one Grand Prix, that was uh, held in that convention center. And it was definitely way bigger than the Fort Worth one, so I'm excited for it. Yeah, I hope that they do like they did. 
I hope they do like they did here and put us in a separate room. Being on a completely separate floor was also super cool. Um, but there was one complaint that I had about being on the second floor, which was uh, Sunday morning. Uh, I got there a little early and I had to wait in like I was able to just kind of walk straight into the convention center. But the line to get to the stairs was insane. Because they just weren't letting people up the stairs. Like, you could go into DreamHack, but you could not go up the stairs until 9 o'clock. And that was kind of stressful. But. but. Yeah. Can we talk about the criminal prices on those fucking pretzels, please? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. $9 for a pretzel? I spent like 50 bucks on pretzels over the weekend, bro. That shit bro. kept me alive. Like, yo, shout I, out, you know? Uh, they're busted. I stayed eating pretzels. They were good. I mean, it was Auntie Annie's, so... True, but $9 <laughs> for a single pretzel? You know how many people bought $9 pretzels? Yeah. I mean, bank. <laughs> this That's guy. That's pay for everything. I bought hella. And the cost of production on those pretzels has to be, like, Plus one dollar pretzel at yeah. least. At most. Easy. Yeah. I... I didn't mind. I appreciated that. Uh, I, I appreciated that the food was a little more accessible there. Like at the last one, you know, there was that one food standoff in the corner, apparently. Um, but I felt like at this one, it was like more obvious where food was at, uh, which was nice. I'll be honest with you, I didn't like the fact that they weren't serving alcohol at this DreamHack. Mm, that's fair. Uh, that was a little frustrating. Is that a California For me, because I'm a weirdo, but... No, I mean, that's fair. It's probably something to do with liquor license or something. But, yeah, no, so, I mean, should we dive into, like, the top eight? I mean, the sure. metagame in general? Sure. Uh, top eight. Uh, oh, I'll skip over the first deck that's on here, because that's just a whole other beast in itself. Uh, but Rakdos midrange, uh, green-white toxic, mono-white midrange... Esper Legends, Esper Legends, Rakdos Reanimator, Rakdos Reanimator. And then four color combo. I think this is like the talk of the town that everybody, I, I mean, I listened to a couple uh, people's uh, feedback on this four color combo list. It's pretty out there. Yeah, but... I haven't actually <laughs> looked really at the top eight. Um... I saw briefly the deck list for the four color combo thing. Uh, what you know what exactly? Yeah, so, what exactly is yeah, the combo? Yeah, so basically Explain the way it. that it works is you play Radadrabic of Urborg, which is the um, which you is get a the, copy of a legendary creature when it does, right? Yeah, so Radadrabic says it's a legendary creature zombie uh, for two a uh, green or excuse me, two a uh, white and a black. It has Vigilance and Ward 2. Other zombies you control have Vigilance. Whenever another legendary creature you control dies, create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's not legendary, and it's a 2-2 black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. So it, it combos that with uh, Blade, of the Shared, or Blade of Shared Souls. So basically the combo is when you have uh, Ratadrabic and Blade of Shared Souls in play, you can copy things like uh, like when you equip Blade to, for instance, uh, Atsushi. Uh, one of the copies of Atsushi dies. 
then you get three treasures, then you just equip it again, you get three treasures, you equip it again, you get three treasures, and you net a, you basically net a treasure every time. Um, and it goes infinite. Uh, you can also do the same thing with Radadravic. It just makes a bunch of copies of Radadravic. Um, <laughs> and you can just make, make, basically make an infinite amount of them. Uh, it uses like AO to like find the combo. Um, and, and yeah, so I don't know. It's a very off the wall deck that I think a lot of people weren't expecting to be in even where anywhere close to the top eight. Uh, and if you look at the deck list as a whole, you're just like, how do these cards work together? Cause you're playing like double white AO and you're also playing like double red at, at sushi, stuff like that. So I don't know. It's crazy. And Rafine. Pretty wild. Right. Don't some it's list player. play Rafine. As, does it? I don't know. Yeah, there there was another list that played Rafine. Um, this the one in the top eight wasn't playing it, but there was other lists of this four color combo deck that were playing Rafine, uh, because they would just make a bunch of Rafines, uh, and then once they made a bunch of Rafines, they would basically trigger all of them on the one. Like you basically just draw half your deck, essentially. Yeah. Like, and you would just put all the all the all the non lands in your graveyard on top of one Rafine and just kill them. Does the deck play like Children and stuff? No, no, the deck does not play Shouldered. So the, the actual deck list was four Corpse Appraiser, four AO, three Blood Ties, two Loren, uh, two Atsushi, two Radadravic, one Concealing Curtains, and then three Blade of the Share Souls, uh, and then like four Fable, and then a, a, a handful of removal spells like Go for the Throat, Destroy Evil, Make Disappear, Cut Down. So it's basically just like a Grixis-ish style deck with like Loren, AO, and Radadravic. Like, those are the other cards that was playing. The secret combo kill you. <laughs> exactly. And that was the other deck list. The other deck list was, like, more so towards the Esper, like, mid-range side. Playing and Esper Legends. They focused, yeah, like, Esper Legends. And then it was basically, like, a oops, I have this combo in my deck, too. It was, so it wasn't, like, anything, like, completely geared towards it like this deck was. Interesting. Yeah, so um, a very diverse top eight. I think. Yeah. Uh, there's three copies was... of Rakdos, right? And two copies yeah. of Esper. There was there was a copy of Rakdos mid range and two copies of Rakdos Reanimator. So, but there's also two copies of Esper. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Reanimator decks obviously people saw coming. Uh, the mid range deck everybody switched to the last day. I know we had a conversation when we were there saying everybody was basically switching to Rakdos like the day before. Yeah, apparently um, everybody did. Everybody got off Grixis, and a lot of people got off it. The crazy thing is that a lot of people also sold out of Esper to build Rakdos, and Esper was still the number one deck. Uh, yeah, so the there's a metagame breakdown on Melee. Uh, the metagame breakdown is there was 156 copies of Esper Legends, which made up 17% of the meta. There was 150 copies of Rakdos Midrange, which made up 16% of the meta. Then there was uh, 117 mono, mono white mid range decks that were 13%. Uh, Grixis was only 86 copies in the entire tournament. Uh, there was only 50, 56 copies of Rakdos Reanimator, but two of them made the top eight, which is pretty dang good. Um, and then you had 32% other. There was 295 decks in the room that, that were not any of the main decks in the format. So a lot of people were like playing other things. Uh, I know Matt, like, uh, 
there was like a weird deck that like Matt Nass and like a bunch of guys brought that were like playing uh, a really weird um like combo deck, I think. I'm seeing if I can find it. But um yeah, apparently he's playing a Capricious Hellraiser Atraxa deck with oh. the Elder Dragon War in it. That probably explains why they didn't uh <laughs> It's very possible. Yeah, he yeah. he did not day Sorry two. About that. Um Sorry about that. Did you find it? Yeah, it's a Capricious however you say that. Capricious Hellraiser, that's what it was. Yeah. And they also yeah. played Praxa and all that stuff. Yeah, so it was like a really weird deck that they brought. It was him and like two other people, I think, that brought that deck. Interesting. Um but yeah, I mean, Esper Legends was definitely the most, I guess, represented deck uh, as far as like the ones in the metagame. Uh, I guess the metagame breakdown on like Goldfish or whatever, if you want to compare it to that. Yeah. Um, I think that one thing that this deck, pro- that this weekend proved was uh, the fact that two of the Atraxa decks top aided. And there were so few copies of it. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I mean, that definitely shows that the reanimator deck is super strong. Um, I'm curious with stuff like that happening. You know, Wizards lately over the last few years has been pretty ban happy with Standard. Do you think they're going to touch any of that? No. Nope. Not at all. Standard's fairly healthy right now. Yeah, tracks right. is fucked up and... But I, I agree. Think... I don't think they should, but it's. Uh, I was just curious what y'all's thoughts were on that. No, I don't think they do. Also, because they're printing sets so often that the meta is changing so much that I don't think there's really an opportunity to be like, well, and, unless unless it like it tracks it just like basically takes over the format like completely, you know? Yeah. The... Where, where like every single like every single top five deck is playing a Traxa. The only thing keeping a Traxa alive, in my honest opinion, is Fable. If Fable was not in the format, that deck would be not. It'd be a lot worse. Your only like good, good card that discards it basically would just be the uh, Blood Tithe. Yeah, and it's not even that. It's just the fact that it also lets you hard cast Atraxa. Yeah, because you get the colors for it. Like, well, it also just like the way it lines up. So, like, if you, so this happened to me um, in day one. One of my opponents, one of the Atraxa decks that I played against, just like cast uh, Fable on three. On four, go discards Atraxa, attacks me, makes a treasure, plays land, and cast uh, Cruelty and put in oh, put in uh, yeah. Atraxa on turn four, like on turn yeah. four on the play. Yeah, and I died, but you know, God, it uh, it definitely is a super good card. Um, and I think that I think that the fact that half of the like over half of the room was playing, you know, Fable the Mirror Breaker proves that it proves that. Because I mean, yeah. every deck, any deck that has a mountain in it is playing Fable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, any any deck that touches red, like. Just basically says yes. I'm priced into playing Fable the Mirror Breaker. 
Yeah, I mean, there were even uh, some lists that I saw on day one, at least, that were playing mono-white, but just with four Fable of the Mirror Breaker in their deck. Oh, yeah. The, like, literally yeah. just yeah. playing red just for Fable, no other red cards. Nope. Just because it's so strong. So, I don't know. I'm curious to see. I hope that they don't ban anything. Um, because I think standards, like, you know, like I said, I think standards mostly fine right now. But I am curious because of how ban happy they've been over the last, you know, few standards. I don't know. I think I, I think they're not going to touch anything. Like, March of the Machine's about to come out here in a couple of weeks. There was a time to do it. It would have been, like, right before the RC, like a couple of weeks before, so people could get their shit ready. Or immediately after the RC. So nah, they should have banned it on Friday. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The upset people there would be. I I would have been so well, over I, half of the room would have like protested Riot Games. Just would have flown up to Seattle. Aren't they based in Seattle still? Yeah, they're I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Half the room would have just flown up there and just been like, Alright. Fuck you. I'm done with this game. <laughs> so since you already spoiled what you played at the RC, uh, I think it's a it's a good time to let everybody know that good old Did I? Yeah, you said you play Mono White, dog. Well, it's a good time to mention that Brandon Scott Tanner has qualified for the Pro Tour, ladies and gentlemen. So let's get yeah, a little, little round of applause for the boy. Let's go. He finished twenty seventh place with good old Mono White. So uh, go ahead and kind of take us through your experience of the RC and and how everything went. Um, I don't know how I got here. Uh, I'm still in a little bit of shock about the whole situation. But I made a last-minute decision to play 8 Fieldy Ruin in my deck. Uh, B-Money and I talked about it the night before. Um, and on, like, on Friday, we talked about hey, it me. because we were talking <laughs> to, like, there were so many people, like, basically every other person we talked to was like, yeah, I've swapped to just playing red-black for the weekend, um, which plays, like, anywhere from 11 to 13 basic lands, and so we were like, you know, this <clears throat> mono-white eight field of ruin is just not a good plan, uh, and basically I was just like, I don't feel like thinking about changing the deck, so I'm just going to keep it on eight field because that's what I have together. And that ended yeah, it up wasn't really much of a change, though, right? It was just putting well, four basics instead of four. <laughs> well, I play four eight field urban, so I would have to what cut. The, I would have to put in uh, some amount of basics, more roadside reliquaries, uh, probably a second Aganjo. I would have to start playing ambitious farm hand. Um, I mean, there was a lot of decisions that would have gone into it. Uh, like as far as deck building, I think that card but, sucks. By the way, so I'm, I don't know if you played what? it or not. I don't think you did. Farm Ambitious farmhand. I didn't. That card is um, so. I think it's bad. It's fine. So it's not the best card in the world. But when you're playing in the mirror match, it's really nice to always hit your land drops. That is true. Um, now versus the decks that I played against, which was just Atraxa, Red Black and Esper Legends, basically for the entire weekend, Farmhand would have been the most mid-card of all time. Yeah. Uh, I definitely preferred having the Field of Ruins. There were a lot of times where I just literally stone-rained people completely out of the game. Uh, 
I mean, like, most of the format, like, so red-black plays a bunch of basic lands, and then every other deck basically just plays one to four. Um, so I, I think it was a pretty good idea. Um, I, I did play against just good old red-black mid-range a couple of times, and that was pretty harsh. Um, but I only lost to the deck once. Uh, and then I beat a Traxa Reanimator three of the four times that I played against it. Uh, the only one I lost was the one on camera. And I don't think... I misplayed by attacking with a Lauren into a 2-2 because I am an idiot and I spaced. And I was like, oh, I will flip the wedding announcement. Lauren's a 3-3. I can attack into this 2-2. Just didn't think about it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, But... Looking back on the game and thinking about what I could have done differently, uh, I think realistically, if I ignored, like, if I don't take back the Lorne attack, like, that still happened, I made that mistake. I don't know that there was anything I could have done to have won the game, because the fact is my opponent still just put a Trax into play next turn. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have an answer for it. So I think that I was probably still just completely fucked. I mean, my opponent played well. Uh... Your opponent ended up winning the tournament. That is he true. did end up winning the tournament, which you know <laughs> makes me feel less bad about that being my one loss to the deck. That's true. Um, that was the match that decided your top eight, though. Which was it was. I was in contention you... for top eight up until then. Yeah. Uh, really hate that I lost it. It would have been pretty insane to have just accidentally top eighted. You know, like just mm -hmm. made my way into it. And I mean, I played. I feel like I played well. Uh, for both days. I mean, sure, the eight field of ruin thing helped a lot, but I don't think I could have made it to that point without, you know, playing correctly. Yeah. Um, I, I had a great time, and I feel like the tournament was fun. Uh, I started the day 3-0, felt really good about myself, felt really good about my deck choice, and then in round four, my opponent and I get randomly selected for a deck check, uh, he's playing with like some super see-through, or well, I say super. They're like technically see-through, like little orange, orange mat dragon shields. And uh, he was playing red black, and you could see his graveyard trespassers Ooh. through the sleeves. Apparently, um, <clears throat> so uh, he got a game one loss, and I was like, okay, well, this is actually my first time playing versus this red black deck, like this iteration of it. So you know. Shout out, I at least get to start 1-0. And then he sweeped me and just crushed me the next two games. Uh, Damn. Yeah, he drew, I would say, pretty decent. Uh, game one, he cast four Invoked Despairs. Game two, I well, I say it, it was game two, but, you know. Game three, I kept a hand that was all removal spells uh, and some lands. And his hand was three lands, four Reckoner Bankbuster, which... Oh is good versus specifically my hand. So I think that that one was one of those where, like, and I mean, he said himself, like, that was one of those where he drew the correct half of his deck and I didn't. Yeah. Because um, that matchup, the other times, I felt like the other games that I played versus that deck, I was in complete control of the game the entire game. Like, it was very rare that I could lose. Oh. But it... That was one of my losses, and that felt bad. And then I got paired against the Mirror, who was playing zero Field of Ruin, and a 
bunch of creatures in a sideboard and he just kind of like beat me to death. Um, which I accepted when I went into the deck that I did that I'm not going to win the mirror. Like I just, I have eight bad lands in my deck. Yeah. Um, and that guy played, I mean, that guy played well, uh, but that was my other loss. And then I was three, two and I was just like, well, that's it guys. I'm a washed up magic player. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> this is a, it's the end of the tournament. Uh, I'm an actual idiot, and then I just didn't drop another match for until round thirteen. That's crazy, so, dude. That's yeah, so it, silly. it was pretty sweet. It definitely uh, hyped me up a lot. Made me feel good about you know the last twelve years of competitive magic that I've played. But now I don't really know how to feel because truthfully. When I started playing competitive magic, the only thing that I ever wanted to do was just go to the pro tour. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so now that I got there, I'm just kind of like, what do I do? Yeah. Like, I know there's stuff above, you know, going to the pro tour or whatever, but like, I've spent so long with that, like, ingrained in my head, like, go play in PPTQs, go play in RCQs, get to the pro tour. Yeah. That's all you need. So, like, now I'm having to try to readjust everything. I don't know. So you're. You're at this point, right? Because me and Brandon actually talked about this. We uh, we were like, yeah, like our main goal as well is to hit the Pro Tour. And like, granted, I haven't been playing as Magic as long as you guys. Um, it it's kind of like this thing where, okay, you've hit the Pro Tour, right? Like, now your goal is to do good in the Pro Tour. Right, like you want to do really well in the pro tour and get a top eight or something, right? But after that, is the the chase of the pro tour still going to be enticing to you, or are you gonna like push for like worlds or like like what's your end goal now? Now that you've, you've hit the pro tour, so uh, my end goal now, I decided to skip all of the other steps. And now the only goal that I have in mind is just trying to, like, actually just win Worlds. Win Worlds, um, okay. That would be the sickest shit of all time. That so sick. that's pretty unattainable. So I'm setting that as my goal. Um, because I do think that it is, like, in theory, it's possible. I mean... Oh, yeah. The, the thing is, like... 100%. If you just, you know, like, some days you just draw hot. Like, you just hit after hit. And you just run it, and um, I think that it's gotta have another one of those days of worlds, dude. Correct. It's I bad. think that when you're at the point where, like, I still make a lot of, like, I still make a few misplays, but I've mostly minimized a lot of them. And I think whenever you're at that point, it's a little hard to see. Like, I have to really go in and analyze every turn of every game that I play after I play it while it's still fresh on my mind, because. I mostly play correctly, and so it's hard to figure out what to do, what you did wrong. Um, and so I do beat myself up. It caused me to beat myself up a little too much about any of my losses that I get. But I, I, I think that the missing step is just drawing hot. Like, if I could just get another run where I just, like, like one of my games versus Grixis mid-range i was super dead 
And then every single draw step was just like heat after heat after heat after heat. And it just put me back in the game out of nowhere, like an unwinnable game. Like I just snuck it out. And I think that that's one of the things that kind of has to happen. Um, and I think that that's proof by the fact that while the pros do pretty consistently make it to pro tours and stuff, you still get a lot of times where people, you know, like uh, Jim Davis, for instance, was at DreamHack trying to qualify and he couldn't make it like that still just does happen sometimes. Yeah. You maximize your chances by playing correctly, but you still have to draw well. Yeah, you still have to. There's a lot that goes into winning when it comes to, to magic. Like, a lot of stars have to align, and you can only really worry about which you have control over. So it's like, right. I think we're, you know, I think everybody on this team is at a point where it's not a. It's not a sequencing thing. Um, although, granted, like, of course, we make those mistakes sometimes. Like, that's always going to happen, right? Like, nobody's going to be optimal, oh, yeah. like, 100% of the time. So I don't think it's a sequencing thing. I don't think it's, you know... I think it's more of a macro sort of thing. I think that's the right word. It's more of, like, analyzing and predicting what you think is going to happen and then playing around that accordingly. And hoping that you draw well enough to be able to you know kind of right. like mitigate the game the way you want it to like for sure and i don't mean to sound super conceited or anything by all of that that i just said no um, not at all definitely i'm not but no i mean you're right like you do i'm gonna flick you, you do have to like it, it's difficult to analyze and for me it's hard for me to analyze my games without like when I do figure out the mistakes that I made without just being like, wow, why do I even play this game? I'm an actual fucking idiot. Um, so that's a thing that I have, but that's, but I, I do think that that has improved me as a player over the years and, you know, being lucky enough for the players that I'm friends with, you know, and like you guys and the people that I play with in Hattiesburg, like I am surrounded by a lot of good magic players. Like it definitely keeps me on my toes. Like I'm never, I never feel stale for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like that saying goes, you don't want to be the, like, I guess it's a double edged thing, but you don't want to be the smartest guy in the room because then you learn nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm, yeah, like that's not a diss or anything. It's just it's a saying where no, yeah, you want to sure. be around would, people that can teach you things. Correct. I would much rather be able to play against other players that are good and me lose and not win a single bit of prize support, but take something from the event than exactly. me just playing versus a bunch of you know people that barely know what they're doing and me just kind of bullying a bunch of kids. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like either way, I, I'm excited. Uh, I don't really know. Uh, I'm super hyped up about it. I'm still kind of in shock about the whole situation. No, man. I mean, we're proud of you. Congrats. We're excited to, to help you test for the pro tour. That's gonna be a blast. Um, yeah, you guys can. We can all say that we uh, helped a professional Magic player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no but yo, that's a dub. For Team Metamorph, we're happy for you, man, and 
Now we just gotta now we just gotta get that prototyping, dog. That's it. That would be Oh, that'd be monumental, man. That yeah, I mean that would be insane. That would be something that would one hundred percent change my life um forever. Uh I mean it not just because of getting the the prize, but just the fact of like doing it would be such a like I feel like if I made top eight of the pro tour, I would just the whole time be like, yeah, how the fuck did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like playing versus Reed Duke in the top eight, I would just be like, what am I doing? What? Like, how did I make it? Is this point? Me? You're looking at the cameras like, is that me? Oh my God. Like, uh, judge, am I, am I alive? Am I? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Which, that was part of the thing. Like on my question, they, so they sent me a questionnaire to answer. Uh, I guess for coverage purposes, and one of the questions was, "Is there anyone specific that you would like to play Magic against while you're there?" And uh, I mean, I put Reed Duke because I was just like, you know, I've played Jund for so long; it would be so absolutely sick to get absolutely crushed, obviously, by Reed Duke. <laughs> you know, like a, a spec like at the Pro Tour, especially right after he just comes back from a Pro Tour dub. It would be pretty awesome. It would be a really cool experience. And I'm excited because truthfully, there's a chance that that could happen. Like, I mean, there's 200, I think 250 people qualify for it. And like a lot of them are like, you know, the platinum pros and stuff. So like, I mean, it's very likely that I sit down at a draft pod with a bunch of actual professional magic players. No, yeah, no, it's, it's very likely. Yeah. That's it's, exciting. It's, It'd be yeah, even crazy. more so if they had still, if they still had the hall of fame uh, mm -hmm. invites. But they did away with those, so like not all the Hall of Famers get to go, like they used to. So damn, I won't get yeah. to play against Brian Kibler, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, or John Finkel and stuff like that. Like you won't be able to do that. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's very surreal. I'm very excited. I until day one of the tournament, I will like literally on March fourth. I'm going to be sitting in my hotel room. Still unsure that I'm actually going to the pro tour. <laughs> like I will walk into the venue and just be like, "Wow, holy shit! What am I doing here?" <laughs> like, that excitement has to be so rewarding, you know? Like, oh god, definitely. Man. That's awesome. Wow. Like I, I mean, I've tried for, I've tried really hard for a really long time. I mean, I twelve uh, years. I was right? telling somebody. Yeah, I mean, since 2011, I was telling somebody at the event, you know, I was like, I've gotten tons of like top eights, and like ninth places at RCQs or at uh, PBTQs, I mean, or PTQs rather, like tons of just barely missing the window to get in there. Like I've always just barely not made it. So like the culmination of all of that finally being realized is, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Dude, well, I have like, what, uh, eight years? So I should get my Pro Tour invite and, uh, what, another four years? <laughs> For going off yeah. the 12-year the, the uh, baseline. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to no, talk about mine. You'll get there before then. It's fine. And B-Money will get there soon. He just yeah. has to... Uh, he just has to want it bad enough, you know. I guess, yeah. B money's gonna See, have the a... secret is B money just doesn't want it bad enough. Yeah, I just haven't been trying for all these years. Is what it is. Yeah. See, whenever like so, like at that LCQ that you played in California, 
at the first one that you played, you know, like you, uh, you lost pretty annoying way. What you should have done instead was like when your opponent attacked you for lethal, you should have just no. been like, yeah, I'll, I'll untap and I'll take my turn and kill you actually. <laughs> you say yes. no. Attack for lethal? Yeah. No. Yeah, whenever they're like, all right, no, uh, go to combat with my, uh, attack you with my Shieldred and my Rafine for lethal, you should have just been like, um, no, actually, thanks. would you like <laughs> to concede to me instead? That's what we're doing wrong. We're letting yeah. our opponents attack for lethal, and we should just say no thanks. My turn? Exactly. We See, that's the no. secret. That's all I did. Like, I just played against these decks, and they were like, I'll attack you, and I'd be like, what if no. you didn't? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'll untap my dudes. Never mind. Pass turn. Yep. Yeah, that was how we got there. <laughs> but no, man, we're super happy for you. We're proud of you. Um, Thank you. I assume you're also going to be in Dallas. I mean, duh. Yeah, I qualified for Dallas, um, which is really a, a super secret blessing because I was planning on going to Dallas and just struggling in the LCQs on Friday. That's going to be us, Because, baby. like, I wanted to go and, like, Dallas is close enough I could drive there. Yeah. And I just go to Dallas tournaments all the time anyway. I never do well in Dallas. I've yet to do... I've day two one tournament in Dallas. Um, but I was planning on going anyway, and now I just get to go anyway. And I can sleep in on Friday. And I didn't even realize that that was happening. Like, whenever I was in contention, I think B-Money was like, yo, dude, congrats, you, you know, you're going to the Pro Tour. And I was like, yeah, it's awesome. He was like, yeah, so now you get to play at Dallas. And I was like, well, I'm going to go and try to win an LCQ. And he was like, no, no, that's the other part of it. God, fuck yeah. Yeah, exactly. You got that in addition to. Yeah, so now whenever I scrub out at this Pro Tour, I can just try again in Dallas. I or I just win the whole Pro Tour. That's what I'm saying. Or yeah. you just go and you finish in the top, like, you know, 32 of the Pro Tour and you and just get to run it back. Bang. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I also, in Dallas, I'm going to have a gold name tag now. Ooh. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Or it might be silver. It's either silver or gold. I get a super cool name tag. That's bougie. Yeah. That's so. bougie. Shout out to that. The, the one problem that I'm going to run into, though, one thing I'm super nervous about is uh, the last time that I played a decent amount of Limited... Uh, let's see. I did a lot of pre-releases and FNMs for Battle for Zendikar. So that's been like what a year, maybe six months, or like yeah, okay, eight years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As I say, like extremely eight years long ago. time. So uh, I have to completely learn how to do that because it's been so long. Uh, so uh, thankfully, one of our boys on. Uh, the the goon squad uh good old good old good old cameron is an absolute legend in limited and so i'm gonna make him i'm gonna make me i'm gonna make him teach me all of the secrets to how to play draft so oh yeah uh, that's the game plan i'm gonna sit down with him and be money and make him teach me how to draft uh you can sit down with him dog I, damn good. tanner said i'm <laughs> chopped liver <laughs> <laughs> no, you just don't play draft. Be my who play draft all the time. Yeah. You don't play draft. I literally hit diamond last season. Take it back. <laughs> Take it back. I'm not saying you're uh, No, I'm joking. But Cameron definitely knows plenty of secrets that I don't. Um, yeah, I also Cameron's I the know. most knowledgeable about limited in the group and probably more knowledgeable than anyone that I know. 
when it comes That's to I, we just we have different evaluations on cards, so we kind of butt heads when it comes to that. But like the the things that he thinks are really good, I don't necessarily think are really good. And it's like, but you know, there's there's no way to like one way or the other. I think it's just play style. I don't think it's a I don't think I, it's a uh, one person's right and one person's wrong. Yeah, situation. Sure. I I kind of just go off of what I read online. Like I I just to my limited research and people say this card's good okay well this card's good i'm gonna play it see how it goes for me and sometimes see, there's cards I, like, this card um, sucks and i just i don't like it but see i'm pretty i i don't look at uh set reviews or like previews for cards or anything really i don't really keep up with it and that's fine whenever i go and like the every once in a while i'll go hit up an fnm or a sealed event at top tier or something but usually i'm just kind of like Ooh, big card. This looked good. I take it. And then I forget what I'm drafting and I end up in some five color pile, which works fine when you're playing against people that aren't actual professionals. You know, I, I can't really just draft cool, good cards with no like syn real synergies. Um, Whenever I'm playing against, the... you know, like actual professionals, the best players in the world and stuff. Oh. I will say this. I think drafting in paper is way better than drafting online yeah. uh, because it requires you to actually think of everybody at the table rather than just like like looking at a set of cards on a screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when that, you're that's... drafting in paper, you actually like analyze the table and like go you have off to of people's – Yeah. Yeah, you have to like look at signals and like figure out like, okay, well – in the first pack, I packed, I passed a bunch of white cards, and then on the second pack, I, you know, I'm not seeing any more white cards. So obviously, there's somebody to my left that is drafting white cards. Yeah. Uh, you know, stuff like that, and just understand that like, you you pick up on certain things when you're like drafting in person that you wouldn't do online. So. Yeah, that's a, that's one thing I'm pretty bad about because I've never really like. All of the drafts that I do, like at my LGS and stuff, have always been super casual. And so usually I'm just kind of shooting the shit while I'm drafting. I'm not really paying attention to what I'm seeing, what I'm not seeing. I'm just, like, taking sweet cards, you know, shooting the shit, cracking jokes. And uh, I just end up with, like, a half-decent deck, and then I just play fairly well and get, like, the 2-1, you know? Like, I don't usually 3-0 drafts and stuff because there's always somebody who actually drafts and knows what they're doing that has, like, a very good, a very synergistic deck, and I don't. So I need to figure out the the ways, and I need to learn this set. I also need to look at this set a little bit uh, so I can figure out if I'm buying a whole new standard deck or if I'm just updating mono white. I don't really know yet. Um, That's I think hard. standard might change quite a bit because yeah, of I the agree. amount of really good cards that are in this new set. I agree. I think there's a lot of really playable, constructed cards in this new set. And we don't know how battles are going to shape out and construct it either. Yeah, so. right. that's the biggest thing for me is I think battles are going to do one of two things. They're either going to completely warp standard or they're just going to be a dud. Or there's going to be like maybe right. one or two good battle cards that people are just splashing into decks that are already like solidified in the format. So it's yeah, like, it might be similar to when like Sagas first got released in yeah. like Domin oh, was it Dominaria. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think. Uh, yeah, so like 
there was a couple good sagas that people would play, like Eldest Reborn and Shout out History of, of Benalia. Yeah, History of Benalia. Like yeah, those cards were really uh, good, but then the rest of the sagas were like awful. Yeah, and they were like yeah, basically unplayable. So I think battles may take the same route of being, you know, some of them are really really good, and some of them are like insanely good, and sometimes you just get more effect when you flip them or when you deal damage to them, and it just kind of stabilizes the game, or the card's just going to be completely unplayable. So. See, that's that's the big thing with battles, though. It, it's not like sagas, where you just do what the saga says, right? And then it just goes away. Battles kind of affect the whole game, and how it plays out. Like, it changes a lot, because, like, not only do you have to worry, like, let's say you play a battle, and you want it flipped, now you have to worry about having like go to combat for your battle or evasion but now you also have to worry about also defending your own battle so if you're both trying to flip your own battles like i i guess it's it's gonna come down to like okay either i attack him or them and they don't block and you know i get my battle flipped but then they attack me and then their battle flips so it's like it's kind of like this push and pull game it seems on how it's how it's gonna work, you know. Well, I'm pretty sure you attack your Correct. own battle, yeah. right? You attack Correct. your own battle, but it's on their side, and then their battle is on your side of the field. I don't know about that, but I I haven't really read into how the actual rulings on battle work. Anyway, or is that so. CG? Yeah. I just ass- I just assumed that the way the battles worked was uh, you sat them on the table and you just declared if you were attacking it or not. Yeah, correct. I thought it was just like kind of like plain chase cards in that sense. Like how yeah, how have you played plane chase cards? They kind of just sat in the middle. Like I I, I don't on. know. It's something that that would be. I I don't know the way it works. So I'll have to wait and see how basically they work. Uh, when drafting the new set, because <laughs> I'm definitely gonna try some of them out in limited. Oh yeah, um, I I, uh, I need to figure it out. I mean, I really need to do research on it. Um, I God, I wish that this fucking I wish that uh, Mayanapolis was more okay. than, you know, three weeks away, but whatever. My apologies. It's sieges. Yeah. It's sieges. Yeah. Your opponents control I was like, them and protect those. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I was That's what I was wondering. I'm pretty sure a battle just sits on your side, kind of like an enchantment. And when you go to combat, you, you declare that you're attacking the battle. And then if you attack the battle and destroy your own battle, then that means that you flip the battle. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, then, I don't think your opponent can attack it. There's no, no, no. That's only if they play a siege on you. That's what I was referring Correct. to. Like if I play a siege on okay. them and they play a siege on me, then that's when things get a little bit, a little bit weird. Yeah, for sure. Like it's definitely gonna add a whole nother like layer to the game. But, um, yeah, no. It's gonna be very strange, very strange. Um, uh, yeah, no. But we're, uh, I'm excited for you to go. If I could, if I wasn't going to be in Dallas for Collecticon, I would go with you. I'd just go and try uh, and Collectathon. Yes. Uh, um, yeah. No. I mean, honestly, I'm waiting to see if I actually need to go or not. If I do, if for some reason I Richard like doesn't send me to Collecticon with him, then I'm going to go to Minneapolis with you. So let's go. Yeah, so I'll Ooh, I'll okay. I'll send it with you, and I'll plan some some. Uh, there's I believe there's like two or th- there's two pro tour qualifiers 
Um, and there's also last chance for the pro tour, like the day of, I think, oh, really? or like the day before. So like you can technically qualify for the pro tour, like through one tournament the day before, I think. Uh, Wait, until they used to do it way back in that. Yeah, I think there's one tournament. I think there's one tournament on Friday. It's like a nine round tournament or something. If you win the nine round tournament, you get to qualify for the Pro Tour. Oh, shit. The Pro Tour starts on Friday. Oh, excuse me, Thursday. Because it's a magic con. It's like, it's an entire convention weekend. Um, It's not just there for the Pro Tour, but the Pro Tour is going to be in a separate room. But there also is, kind of like every other magic tournament, like large magic tournament, there is like Saturday and Sunday events that they do that are, you know, top eight, you qualify for, you know, the next RC season or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but also I think there's like a, a PTQ basically. There's like a, R, what would be the RCQ or RPTQ from back in the day uh, where they have like one tournament from Saturday to Sunday. It's like another two day tournament that runs simultaneously with the pro tour. And you basically have the opportunity to qualify for the pro tour. So all right, so I do have one more question while we're on the topic of pro tours. Yeah. Um. So one thing that I am considering, and it may be a little too late, I'm not sure, but like, with this being so soon, would it be smart for me to uh, try to defer it to Barcelona? Because I could, you know, I could just like be scheduled to have cancer that day um if i have i mean to. that's kind of <laughs> crazy but um, yeah that's aggressive Yikes. you know break i could be you know like i'm gonna break a leg that day or something anything could come up um i mean if there was a, if there was a pro tour that i would want to qualify for it'd be barcelona because i want to go to spain dude and, and yeah that's not even that's true, that's uh, but insane. also another thing. Another thing too is that's like that's not just like a three day like no event. You you you're going to Spain yeah, no. for a week. Yeah, easily. Like, oh yeah, no. And I mean, I'm taking a week a, and a half. I'm, yeah, and I mean, I'm taking a week for this trip already. Like that's what yeah. I was planning on. I was going for a week, but um. So the the main reason, you know, aside from the fact that going to Barcelona would be like super badass, um. It is modern. That's fair. I mean, and, um, if you can just, oh. I, I don't know. I mean, personally, if I were you, it would just come down to the personal decision of saying, like, do I, would I rather play modern or would I rather play standard? And would I rather go ahead and do it now or try and defer it to later? And I don't know what the steps are to deferring. Uh, I know that some people ha- are deferring theirs. Um, well, I basically have until the 18th of this month to decide. Um, okay. Do you want my honest opinion? Because that's when. Yeah, sure. So, in my honest opinion, I think standard standard rewards you a lot more for playing correctly and playing tight than modern. I think modern is definitely a what a polarizing like format where if you just play against a bad matchup, you're probably not going to win it, no matter how tight you play, unless you're playing like Merc Tide or a deck that's like close to 50-50 to everything in the format, right? And uh, as far as I'm aware, I don't think you enjoy playing Murktide. You like the no, you like, like the four-color, five-color piles. Yeah, I definitely prefer money piles. Shut up, you money. Um, <laughs> which, if I were to go to a modern event, then I would probably be playing an math pile just because of just how 
powerful having all of those cards is. That's true. So it's like um, yeah, I, I was gonna say I will say this real quick. Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I will say very quickly. I was reading on Twitter that a lot of people are concerned of this pro tour being so close to the RC because all the other RCs were like way before, right? You had plenty mm-hmm. of time to plan and prep for like travel and stay and stuff like that. But this RC is literally a month before the pro tour, which only yeah. gives you literally 30 days to make sure your funds are in order to go. Like obviously you're getting a $1,500 check from wizards for placing in that tournament and stuff like that. But realistically, $1,500 might not even cover the whole trip. Like, so you're, you're, I mean, between a hotel, between a flight, between um, food, you know, all these other things, I mean, $1,500 is going to come close to possibly covering the whole thing, maybe. And it's, so it's just, I, but I will say that going to Spain would be significantly more expensive. Uh, you'd also have to get, go. Th- I'm pretty sure you have to go through the process of getting a passport. Yeah. Uh, obviously, go getting a passport, but getting a passport and also potentially getting a work visa for the tournament. Um, so if you, I, I don't know exactly how that works. Uh, but I would assume that you, you either just have a passport and you can go, or there's some type of visa you have to have to be there for a certain amount of time. Um, so I don't know. It's just, I think it's a personal decision to, to decide whether you would rather go to Minneapolis or try and go to Spain. <laughs> Cause Spain's going to be definitely way more expensive. That flight alone would probably be 1200 bucks. So. Yeah, that's facts. Uh, it's, it's pretty I think that I was looking up the plane tickets and I want to say that they were around $1,600 each. That's what I'm looking at right now. Uh, The lowest I see is uh, $1,346. And that's buying the ticket like now. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. It's pretty expensive. I mean, it's a very large price. I mean, you're talking about like literally double um I mean, what I'm spending on this whole trip for Minneapolis is just the cost of my plane ticket for um, Barcelona. Correct, but you also have another four months or so to like plan and prep for right. it. So I wish they would have spaced these out a lot more because, like, after Barcelona, the next one's in December. Uh, like the next Pro Tour isn't until the next, the following year, I think. Or no, really? it's it's the aftermath of of Dallas, which would be Spain. And then, then, then there's not another pro tour for the rest of the year. I'm pretty sure it's just worlds yeah. at the end of the year. It is. Yeah, that's so crazy that it's like just that everything. It just that everything's so close together, like you said. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it's so. They, I mean, I, I I'm not gonna de- diss it because I'm glad the pro tour is back. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm just glad that it exists again. Uh, but I do think it's very strange that you have Dallas coming up in June, and then there's not another RC until December. And yeah. that, that RC qualifies you for the first Pro Tour of next year. So, oh, okay. So that was what I was thinking. I got it confused. Yeah. And like, yeah. And we were talking about that because I was like, well, the next, you know, the Pro Tour is like, it's going to be like, you know, three, four months out. So that gives us a lot of time to prep. And then you guys were like, no, it's a month away. And I'm like, what the yeah, hell? I, I, I didn't even know when the Pro Tour was that that DreamHack was qualifying for um, until like I was in contention. And B Money was like, "Yeah, Dallas. Just so you know, is three weeks from now." 
No, it's just like not Dallas. Four. The first tour was or, yeah, yeah, Minneapolis. <laughs> um, yeah, Minneapolis is three weeks from now, and then Dallas is you know a month after that. I was just like, holy shit. Uh... Yeah, like the first part of the year, like the first half of the year for competitive magic is like super jam packed. No, I think they do that for a reason. Yep. But also the other thing too is there's not another American DreamHack event for the rest of the year after Dallas. They all go to Europe and Australia because you have like DreamHack winter right before Atlanta. You have DreamHack summer in like Stockholm, Sweden or whatever. That's like a huge event. Uh, but you have all these other events that are somewhere else besides here. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just the coordination with DreamHack. I wish they would just spread it out just a little bit more. Like maybe mm -hmm. give you like an extra month in between. Like, right. you know, like if there was... Say, for instance, we had this RC just this past month, so, you know, the beginning of April. Then you had one at the end, like, maybe July, middle July, or early August, and then the next one would be in December. So it's like a quarterly thing, not necessarily three of them in basically six months, and then not another one for six months. Right, yeah, and, like, have <laughs> have the pro tour that the RCs feed into, you know, two months away instead of one month away. Well, yeah, you can definitely space it out like that. If you had one in January, you had a pro tour in January, then you had an RC in you know, February, March, like March. And then you had another RC in April. And then you had another RC in July. And then you go, next RC is in November, December. Um, I mean, I, honestly, the Atlanta event is so close to Christmas that a lot of people may not go. Yeah. It's true. the 17th through the 19th of December. So. That is true. It's very, very close to Christmas. Um. So, I don't know. We'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, we'll see. I'm probably just going to go to Minneapolis just because uh, I, like, already have, like, I have a standard deck. Uh, it's just so much cheaper. I don't know. I, I, like I said, I have five more days to think about it. Like, I would love to go to Barcelona. That'd be fucking sick. Uh and I would love to play in a modern pro tour, especially considering that standard is a lot more rewarding of good play. That definitely means I should probably try to go to the modern one. Um, <laughs> I see. I see what you did there. <laughs> no, I, think, I, I think it's just a personal decision. Like, yeah, I don't know. Just think about it and just decide. I mean, who knows? Maybe, well, you know, one of us qualifies for Spain as well. And then you can, we actually squat up. No, true. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess That'd I did. If I asked, I asked, I asked Richard if he needed me for Collecticon, and he never responded to me. So once he responds, and if he says no, then I'm gonna send it to Minneapolis with you. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I I have to also decide: is playing Infect worth me spending? Okay, no, so I'm gonna get out of here. Get out of here! Nobody's trolling. No. Nope. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't know. I it's a it's a personal thing. I think for you it's like what makes what makes more sense to you you know as far as like spending the money to do whatever um i'll figure it out but yeah so overall dude congrats i'm super excited yeah, for you we're super, super happy thank for you man like that's yeah. so sick thank you all so much it really means a lot um yeah I mean, we, it definitely is uh it's, it's like it's we awesome. fucking I, did it <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know how i did it but i did it i played yeah. a bunch of magic Boonga boonga. Actually, I did quite the yeah, opposite. You, yeah, no. I literally played the slowest deck in the room. Hey, Oongood and you. It's finger style, though. Let's be serious. 
It does. The night before, whenever we were sitting in your hotel room, and he's, you're like, dude, should I play Toxic? Should I play Enchantments? Should I play Mono White? I was like, we all know the answer to this question. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking Mono White. Yeah. <laughs> dude, it was so funny because me and B Money, like three days before the RC, we were like, so did Tanner tell us what he's playing yet? And we both were like, he's either playing Green Wine Enchantments or Mono White. And he joins the call yeah. and we're like, Tanner, what are you playing? He's like, I don't know yet. Probably Green Wine. I don't know. <laughs> <or Mono White." laughs> He says exactly what we th- what we said to you. Yeah, I was just like, was... I'm definitely not playing Toxic, so it's either Green White or Mono White. Yeah. Well, then everybody laughed at me. I was like, What the fuck's so fun? True. What's the joke? I thought I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it a buck fifty with you, Chief. Uh, I genuinely thought that the Green White Enchantment deck, fucked. I thought that deck went hard because it shit on Esper, it shit on Grixis. Oh, dude, the green-white enchantment deck apparently had, like, an insane win percentage over the weekend. Yep. Like, Damn, dude. There, were, there weren't there were a whole... I think it was, like, 2-point-something percent of the meta was green-white enchantments, and, like, most of those players day two. Holy shit. I mean, the deck just slapped. I mean, when I was sitting at the top table for, the la- for like, all basically all of day two, I sat at seat 14 uh, for most of it. I mean, there was always at least one green-white enchantment player around me. Wow. So I'll give you the actual breakdown. The actual breakdown was there was 25 people in the tournament that played Selesian Enchantments, which was 2% of the meta. Uh, their overall record was 108, 111, and 9. So they were slightly below 50%. Okay. Well, but... Well, um, there were three different enchantment players that were sitting next to me the entire day, basically. Yeah, no, uh, but I will. Even though that their overall win rate was that, there's there was a lot of them that did make day two. Yeah. So like, I know one of them uh, pro tour qualified. Yes, yeah. it was. Uh, I forget his name. He's a he does like YouTube content. Island Go uh, same something like that. I think that's his username. Sorry if I butchered it. Um, but he did, he know. did pro tour qualify with enchantments. So. Oh, Island Go same? Yeah. No, he he got forty nine. He got forty ninth. He bubbled. He bubbled. Wait, that's brutal. Why did he? I saw it on Twitter that they that they qualified. Oh well. Well, they may got, have qualified, and like somebody else in the top forty eight was like already qualified or something along those lines. That's true. Yeah, you can play, yeah. It says like, I you qualified at this event and be qualified. Yeah, it said like I'm looking at their tweet right now. I qualified for Pro Tour Minneapolis. I got 49th place, but invites passed down, so I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's so probably because people... okay. uh, Matt Sperling already probably had an invite, uh, and then uh, there's there's probably one at least one other person that probably had an invite as well. Yeah, the dudes sitting next to me in round 14 whenever I took the draw with my opponent, um, which I was super lucky about, but the dudes sitting next to me were talking about it because they were like, you know, worst case, even if you lose, like, realistically, it's going to go down to, like, at least the top 50 because other people are qualified already. But, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes sense. They were yeah, I got super lucky that that, uh, I got super lucky that that dude wanted to draw because, like, I walked up. And he was like, hey, man, I'm playing domain control. I'm pretty sure that you're a pretty easy matchup for me, but we're probably going to go to time. And I was just like, I mean, honestly, I agree. I think you're going to smash me. And he was just like, cool, do you want to just take the draw? And I was just like, yes, sir. 
Thank you. Yeah, that guy tweeted back at us. He he tweeted back at us on Twitter mm-hmm. and uh, said that he was the one that drew. It's Cl- I think his Twitter handle is like Cliff Claff, I think, or something like that. Oh, he's yeah, a no, they're a judge. They're a judge. They're a judge. Yeah, I know who you're oh, talking really? about. Yeah, yeah, I know who exactly. Yeah, you're talking yeah about. that's the uh, one that drew with him in the last round. Okay. Yeah, that dude. Uh, shout out to him for saving my life, which we were both like pretty much guaranteed in, which was what he was saying. He was like, "We're realistically we probably go to time." And I don't want us to go to time in game two and you have accidentally beat me game one and me just lose all of my money. So I'm down with just both of us getting 1500 rather than <laughs> one of us losing a thousand dollars. And I was just like, yep, that's, let's do it. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> uh, you you want to know what's crazy is there was only one copy apparently of four color combo in the entire tournament. Oh God. Really? Yeah. Is what I'm looking at right now at the art, the metagame breakdown. One copy, and they had a 73% win rate because they finished 11, 2, and 2. Holy shit. That is insane. Yeah. That means that that person played that deck nonstop until this event and was like, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> like, hold my hold beer, my, I'm going in. Beer, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Day one sits down, his opponents look at his deck list, like, so what is this, like some <laughs> Legends pile? And he's just like, oh man, <laughs> Don't boy, you know. I'm about to show you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, that's, that super, super, that's wild. It is wild. Overall, yeah. super exciting stuff. You know, Tanner qualified for the Pro Tour. Uh, we're getting ready for Dallas now. We're all going to try to LC that one. So uh, that's also pretty exciting. Uh, next episode, we're planning on talking about uh, the upcoming Pioneer season. And uh, we just want to take a little bit of time to kind of go over um, what's next for the podcast and kind of the rest of the year. So, um, um, I mean, yeah, or, or you're talking about that tonight, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're definitely talking about uh, okay. the, the podcast tonight um, and what, what our plans are for the rest of the year. So um, I think a good starting point is uh, definitely focusing on Tanner and making sure that he does his best at the pro tour. Um, that's probably our number one priority right now. Uh, after that, uh, I think we're definitely going to go harder on playtesting sessions. Uh, we're definitely going to try to break the mold a little bit. Um, cause I'm personally speaking, I'm kind of tired of just kind of just following what everybody's doing and not actually exploring as a team. And I think we're losing a lot of equity there. I think we can definitely find some stuff here and there that we can tweak and work on and improve. And cause I, you know, I think we're all really smart. We're all devoted, you know, we love this game. So um, that's kind of what I was thinking uh, we should do moving forward. Um, and again, uh, it's not like anything set in stone, like, Oh, we have to not play like real decks, but we should definitely explore, uh, different options inside of those decks. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree or if you have any other goals um, for the rest of the year for, for the team and the podcast, but I'll let you guys take it. Um, I mean, my only goal is uh, I would love for us to start like doing a little more in-depth playtesting, like rather than just every once in a while, all of us hopping on at the same time and just kind of, playing magic together i would like for us to have a dedicated slot like let's do this let's you know work on it do a lot more constructive play testing like rather than just you know at two o'clock in the morning being like all right let's run a couple of games before bed um 
I'm definitely am excited for that. Uh, for us to be doing that, I think that all of us could get in, could get a lot of improvement that way. Yeah, no, I am going to completely swap my focus to Pioneer. Um, I'm not missing Atlanta. I'm telling myself that now. Um, I'm going to play in basically, uh, I mean, because I'm not obviously in Nashville and y'all are down further south, but uh, I have a lot of, a lot of RCQs around me. Yeah, um, you have way more options for RCQs than we do. Yeah, so I am definitely going to solely focus on Pioneer, and that's going to be it. Uh, I'm not really going to try and focus on anything else. Obviously, I'm going to play a little bit of uh, Mother Machines Limited here and there, but for the pri- for my priority is just to make sure that I'm qualified for Atlanta. Um, and then also, uh, I believe Dallas is also Pioneer. Am I it is. Correct. Yeah, so... I mean, I can kill two birds with one stone by, you know, getting ready for Dallas and getting ready for Atlanta. Um, I would say, I mean, I, I'm also on the firm side of we need to take it a little more serious. Um, we've got one of five people now on the pro tour. So I think that getting all five would be actually insane. Uh, definitely put us on the map as far as, uh, as far as team metamorph goes. Uh, and I think that, We've, we all have the potential to do it. We just need to actually do it and mm-hmm. not really fuck around and, you know, and continue to basically just be mediocre. So, um, yeah, no, I'm excited to where we're going. I'm excited for the journey. Uh, DreamHack San Diego definitely kind of lit a fire under my ass. So Same. <laughs> also same. It, uh, it, for one thing, uh, the fact that DreamHack was just done so much better than the last one, I think really helped a lot. Such uh, a much more enjoyable experience overall. It really was. Like my buddy Evan came up. Um, I know I've talked about him before. And, you know, he's fairly, he's he's never done competitive magic before. Like he's played in RCQs at top tier, but that's it. He's never traveled, never left Hattiesburg for a magic tournament. And he went out to California because he qualified for it. And, um, he ended up not doing super hot, but he had a really good time and he was just like, dude, I'm glad that I went to this. Like I like I'm going to start doing this. Like this is fucking sick. Let's like next time you go to an RCQ that's, you know, out of town, you know, let me know I'm coming with you. Let's go. Um, I think that the fact that DreamHack was just so done so much better, I think really helped all of us want to play Magic more, you know, definitely. Because after uh, after the last Atlanta, like, I was really, like, I mean, I think I may have even talked about it on the first episode of the podcast. Like, I was super nervous for the future of competitive magic just because, like, it was such a bad tournament. I mean, it was just genuinely terrible. Um, I, I think that Dallas, or I think that San Diego being a better run event really has a lot of people excited for the future of magic. I agree. So. And yeah, um, I, I will just briefly bring this up, but I saw that Jarvis tweeted, I think it was a couple of days ago, I think it was like Monday or so. He had like a twit longer about uh, the ways to qualify for the Pro Tour and how it's not accessible to everyone um, because of the destinations of where you have to go to do so, um, which I think that there's something that could be said to kind of curb that 
of yes, they're trying their best to like regionalize them and have like one on the East coast, one on the West coast, one in the middle and, you know, try and have everybody included. But for some people, they want to do it all year round. Like they don't want to just do it once and just be like, okay, well wait till next year. Like, you know, like, and a lot of, it kind of probably prices a little, a lot of people out because a lot of people have to spend a ton of money to go and try and go to San Diego and qualify or go to Dallas and qualify if they live in like New York or something like that. And so I think that the next step, I think they did, uh, like we said, very good by San Diego. I think San Diego was light years ahead of what Atlanta was. Um, oh, yeah. It was a completely different tournament. I mean, yeah, it, really it was – and the venue was honestly super sick. Like the whole entire room not needing like lo- like fluorescent lights yes, yeah. was Being so in the greenhouse, dope. that was so yeah, sick. It was so – and they had the doors open all the time. Like it was mm-hmm. very, very nice and comfortable. It was. Um, yeah. Now, I will say that the sound system in there was kind of dog water, but um, – Yeah, I could rarely hear that. In the player that, meeting, but... in the player meeting, since my name uh, is Tanner, I was way back – I was way back there and they only had speakers at the very front. Could not hear a word that the dude was saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like whenever he started, I was just like, well, hope this is just regular player meeting stuff. Cause, uh, ah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm excited for the direction that we're going. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the rest of the year. Um, too. yeah, now I'm shifting my focus to pioneer. So same. Yeah. Well, I think that's a fair, Decision. Uh, I'm also. I I have red black mid range built in Pioneer. I'm gonna stop playing that though because I think that if I say that I do well at this Pro Tour and can stay on the Pro Tour, um, I mean in the future there's gonna be more Pioneer ones than there will be modern, and uh, so I don't think I need to be playing the deck that everybody is going to be like preparing for specifically. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I'm probably going to swap my focus over to, like, say, blue-white control a little more, because that's also that. my play style, and it's a fun deck. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll see. But Pioneer, I think, is a fairly fun format. Uh, I think right now there's some things that are a little annoying. There's some matchups that you just kind of, like, sit across from, and you just go, all right, man, well, you know. You can, we can go ahead and sign the slip. You got it. Yeah, you know? we're done like, here. Like the, I played in a Pioneer RCQ at a store up in Jackson, and I mean, I crushed the whole event. And then in the uh, top eight, uh, my first round opponent was playing the Atraxa deck, uh, or not? No, the sorry, the Xenagos World Spine Worm deck. Mm-hmm. And I was playing red black, and my opponent just like on turn four goes big score, make two treasure, untap, and Domino Creativity, my two treasures away. I was like, well, I can't beat that. Like, yeah. There was literally nothing I could do. Like, I had a removal spell for the worm, but then I just am staring at three five fives that are going to kill me. So, I don't know. I, I think that some of the matchups are just super brutal. Uh, I, I think I don't, I don't really like Grease Fang very much. I don't like that they can just sometimes kill you on turn two. Yeah, that's what I'm going to be playing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's basically like the Tron of the format. Because you have, like, the play of, like, turn one, Concealed Courtyard, Stitcher's Supplier, Mill Grease Fang Parhelion, Untap, Play a Land, Cast Can't Stay Away. You know, like, That's fair. Well, 14, yeah. 
That's true. That is true. Or 13. But, but hey, yo, there's... We'll just play a Hollowed Moonlight. There you go. Problem solved. Yeah. Yeah. Beat that. I, I don't know. We'll see. I definitely am with you guys. I want us all to focus on Pioneer a little bit heavier with the few, like the next competitive events all being Pioneer. Definitely. Yeah, um, I agree. No, I'm with it. Excluding specifically Barcelona. <laughs> but yeah. And uh, the only thing that's not. But... And uh, I think moving forward with the podcast, um, what 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 do you like? What are you guys feeling like moving forward? Oh no, I think it's going to be sick. I, I think that uh, we're going to have a cool a cool couple guests coming up. Uh, that's in the works that, that we're going to have on the pod. That is already. Uh, we aren't we aren't going to reveal who it is, yes. but we're going to have a cool couple guests on the pod um, that are very very good at the game of magic, um, and also uh, you know just kind of. I think progressing the whole podcast in general and trying to produce the content that you guys want to hear. So I think that's, that's the ultimate goal is to produce content that you guys want to hear and listen about and also provide a kind of a place where people can try and learn from, I guess you could say our mistakes or our pitfalls or whatever it may be of us moving forward. So uh, a lot right, of cool stuff in the works. Don't attack with your uh, Loran into a Fable token. <laughs> there you go. It happens. The it happens. But yeah, no, speaking yeah. of which, that is in the works. Um, Got the reply, so now we're just figuring shit out. Um, So yeah, hopefully that'll be coming up in the next month, hopefully. And uh, uh, I got somebody else too, so okay. we're good. Fuck yeah, sick. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah uh, hopefully we'll be able to get that out to you guys soon and again uh thank you guys so much for listening and and your ongoing support uh we do appreciate it again shout out to tanner for getting on the pro tour that's amazing and yeah any yeah, maybe uh maybe after maybe after minneapolis we can just have a consistent local pro yeah uh, our goal is to get yeah, there you go. our goal is to get five consistent pros we got one in there now we need a now we all need to get our... Now we just need all of us to Exactly. That'd be sick. We're going to get there. We just got to all get there. For sure. Are there it any... Be, uh, yeah. It would be pretty cool. Are there any last topics you guys want to hit before we bounce? I'm good. No, Alrighty. Well, thank you again so much, everybody. Hope you guys have an amazing night. Thank you for listening to episode number eight of the Completed Podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Take care, everybody.